If you had the ability to see into the future and know how long you had left on this earth, would you do anything differently than you're doing now? If that information was available to you and you decided you wanted to know, how much would you be willing to pay to find out? Suppose I told you that I've been working on just such a device for the past three years, I said. And suppose I told you that I've already tested it out and that it works flawlessly every time. What would you say to that? The silence was unusual as Bill reached to play his Marlowe tape again. His hand stopped in the approximate area where the tape player had been. Now there was nothing there but the radio. Bill's smile turned to panic, and he quickly looked around him. People on the streets were dressed in their everyday clothes, clothes that looked like they'd bought them at a thrift store. Cars on the street were all older than he was. Bill tossed a nickel into the paper rack and pulled out the morning edition. He flipped through the pages frantically, looking for the birth announcements. The third name down was Catherine Knight. The announcement said that she'd been born at 3.12 that morning at St. Alphonse Hospital. Bill's eyes got wide. Catherine Knight was his wife, and she'd just been born that morning. This was no old car show come to town. This was September 5th. 1946. Fred, Freddy, he giggled. You remember me, Mikey, Mikey Berman. I used to work for you back in the machine shop. Boy, how soon we forget. Hey, let's drink a toast. What do you say? Mikey lifted his glass. To the U.S. of A. Is this a great country or what? I mean, where else can a nobody like me rub elbows with someone like you and Jenny. God bless the lottery. Jennifer was standing in front of the full-length mirror, looking at her image and crying. Her towel lay in a bundle at her feet. Frederick rushed to her side and looked as well. He clamped his hand over his mouth to stifle his own scream and fell backwards. He caught himself and stood again on shaky legs. Jennifer cried hysterically and sank to her knees. No! She let the towel drop, revealing a crudely drawn homemade tattoo of a skull and crossbones with the word Jenny beneath it. Judy made her token pilgrimage to the casket to gaze down at the woman who'd made most of our lives miserable. I imagine Judy was also thinking that with Ma's passing, so went the debt she owed. Once outside, Margaret spun Judy around and scowled. Look, you spoiled little bitch. You think just because Ma's dead, you don't have to pay that loan back. Think again. I'm in charge of their finances, and I'll hound you until you do pay it back. It was a metal case. I brushed off the dirt that stuck to the sides and could finally make out two hinges on the back and a hasp on the front. A rusted padlock hung from the hasp. Now 
my curiosity was burning. The object broke loose in my hand, and some of the brown flaky stuff clung to it. I pulled it closer to me and examined it. It was a ring on a crusty brown flaky bony finger. I dropped it and stepped back as if it were a poisonous snake. On the skull was a black knit ski cap, its fibers falling apart. The face sported one clean round hole right between the eyes. Three of the victim's front teeth were missing, producing the effect of some exaggerated Halloween decorations.